Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Our great friend and author and podcaster of When Football Was Football, Joe Ziemba, joins us for jersey number 57 as we go through the top 10 greatest football players to wear that in the NFL's history, and it's all coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the universities of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. This is your host, Darren Hayes, and we are podcasting from America's North Shore, bringing you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So in taking the snap from the SportsHistoryNetwork.com and handing off to PigskinDispatch.com, let's go no huddle through today's football history headlines. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com, and welcome once again to the Pig Pen. We have another bonus edition, our football by number series. We are all the way up to jersey number 57, and we are really stoked about it because we have an expert in football history. And once again, Joe Ziemba of When Football Was Football podcast, and he's a podcaster, he's an author, he's wrote a book by that name, When Football Was Football, and just uh, you know a lot of different football history and uh He's very involved in it, and we're, we're glad to have him here to help us with 57. And as a matter of fact, we'll bring him in right now. Joe Ziemba, welcome once again to the pig pen. Aaron, as always, thank you. I'm, I really enjoy this opportunity, and number 57 is quite intriguing. While we don't have that many Hall of Famers that wore the number, we do have uh, a developer of one of Disney's biggest properties, one of the best nicknames in pro football history, and a gentleman who... Um, probably is one of the most unsung heroes of his team's history. So uh, I'm anxious to get going so we can talk about these guys wow. and have a good time with it. Well, that is quite the tease you have to lead off this uh, this episode. <laughs> so I, I'm anxious to hear it myself. So, all right, well, let's start off where we always do. We have three names that the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton has said wore that jersey number 57, and they are enshrined players, and that's Ricky Jackson, Dwight Stevenson, and Johnny Blood McNally. And I, I guess sort of as a, a disclaimer, you know, Johnny Blood McNally comes up a lot lately. I think uh, we've had him early into single digits in the 20s. I know we've had him here a couple times in the 50s. Uh, Johnny Blood seemed to like to change his number quite a bit, and he only wore jersey number 57 for two seasons. And he is a great Hall of Famer, three times all pro. He was kind of a wild man. He got in trouble a few times with one of the five teams that he played with, starting back in 1925 with the Milwaukee Badgers. But as you mentioned, Darren, he only wore 57 for two years. One thing I did want to find out, and I should have known this, is how he got the name Johnny Blood. Well, it turns out back then, of course, a lot of players – it wasn't looked upon very well to play pro football, so he was looking for an assumed name to play under. As he drove by a theater with Rudolph Valentino starring in Blood and Sand, he said, that's it. I'm going to take the name of Blood. Johnny Blood, the vagabond halfback. But for our purposes tonight, 
Um, not sure if I'd make him a, a member of our top 10 because the only wore the revered number 1957 for two years. <laughs> Yeah, uh, interesting story. I think one of our earlier episodes, uh, Warren Rogan, I believe, was we were talking about Johnny Blood McNally, and he said that similar story how uh, he got the name Blood, and he had a teammate that took the name Sand as an alias too to to play in the NFL, uh, probably because they were getting in trouble all the time. Maybe that's why he changed his number so much, also, so the officials couldn't keep up with them. But couldn't uh, identify him. But there was a blood and sand that were also playing on whatever team he was on at the time. I forget what it was. (laughs) Amazing. Back in those days. One of my favorite stories was, of course, Amos Alonzo Stagg did not want any of his former players playing pro football. So they would disguise themselves to play for the Cardinals. One guy had red hair. And before the game, he even put some kind of dye on his head to disguise that red hair. Uh, of course, it was a warm fall day in Chicago, about 85 degrees, and pretty soon he was sweating, and this dye was running down his face, which gave away his secret. Of course, <laughs> he had already graduated, but there was such fear of Coach Stagg that they didn't want to be identified as playing that vile game of pro football. <laughs> There's still some people today that think that way, too. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so for all our college football fans out there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so probably Johnny Blood, we're probably, I mean, we, I think we probably talked a, a lot about him so far in the series, talked a little bit about him today. Probably uh, there are so many great players. I'm not sure that he's going to make this list because of only wearing the two seasons like you alluded to. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably just put him on standby in case uh, case of emergency, we'll break the glass sort of thing. How's that sound? All right, I agree. Okay, uh, do we want to talk about our, our other two Hall of Famers while we're up here at the top? Boy, yeah, the two Hall of Famers, as you mentioned, Dwight Stevenson and Ricky Jackson, uh, I would recommend for our top 10 list, uh, starting with Ricky Jackson, he wore number 57 for 15 years, and 13 of those with New Orleans, a couple of years with the 49ers, made the uh, all-pro team six times, and led the, L- uh, the NFL three times with fumbles forced, and recovered seven fumbles in 1990. So he only missed two games during those 13 years with New Orleans, and that was because of an auto accident, not because of a football injury. Uh, played the rest of the season with some kind of uh, uh, support his coach made up. Uh, it was a, a wired splint of some kind because uh, he injured his leg in the automobile accident. But with the Saints, uh, he was in there in 1997. He was named to the Hall of Fame. Uh, with the Saints, and then in 2010 with the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, He was the first player who was primarily with the Saints to make the Hall of Fame, I understand. But when he retired, uh, he had records for the uh, most opposing tackles, uh, fumble recoveries with 28, and he was third all-time in sacks with 128. And that was with the NFL. For New Orleans, he was the leader in the most games played, the most sacks, and the most seasons played. Uh, for the New Orleans Saints. So Ricky Jackson, 6'2", 243-pound linebacker. I uh, would recommend him for our top 10 list tonight. Well, I'd say so. I mean, 128 sacks is uh, nothing to sneeze at. That's pretty substantial. And uh, New Orleans got a pretty good deal for taking him 51st overall in the 1981 NFL draft. That's a pretty good pick bargain there. That was especially if being a hall of famer. So yeah, I totally agree. He's on number one on our list and in our hearts for this Jersey number 57. Uh, do we want to talk about Dwight Stevenson next? 
Yeah, Dwight, uh, Dwight Eugene Stevenson had a rather short career because of a knee injury, which was almost sounds like an, a freak accident that ended his career after just eight seasons, I believe. But he wore number 57 for all of those seasons. Five times he made an all-pro team, and he was also elected the all-1980s team. Known for his quickness on the line, he played a lot of center and uh, was one of those centers that was hard to believe because he could snap the ball and still move around in and make some tackles on offense. But because of that, he was in the Hall of Fame in 1998, I believe it was. And um, when he was on the line as the offensive captain for the Dolphins, for six straight years, they gave up the fewest sacks in the NFL, which is really impressive to me anyway. And named the offensive lineman for the AFC for five straight years from 83 to 87. And there was a good quote from one of his teammates, uh, Joe Klecko, uh, no, from the Jets. And he said, uh, most guys think deep down that they're the best, but that didn't go when you faced Dwight Stevenson. You were licked before you started. Dwight made fools of people who made mistakes. He knew he would destroy you anyway if you messed up. It just happened faster. So quite the credentials for Dwight. I'm so happy he is in the Hall of Fame and uh, just a very popular player with the Dolphins. And again, as I mentioned, Dwight the Quiet, who didn't like to talk to the media, is probably deserving of one of our top 10 spots tonight. Yeah, most definitely. You know, another one of those uh, members of the Alabama Crimson Tide that played for Coach Bear Bryant, you know, the legend, and uh, just had a, a great career in college, great career in the pros, even though it was cut a little short because of that injury. But yeah, definitely uh, needs to go on our list of our top 10. Okay, so now we, we put the Johnny Blood on standby. We have Stevenson and Jackson on our list. So now we're going to the realm of those players that are not yet in the Hall of Fame. And uh, where, where's a good place to start here? We've got a lot of guys that were long yeah. in the tooth wearing at 57. Well, one of my teasers today was Reggie Williams. Uh, played his entire 14 years with Cincinnati. Tough, tough guy. I can't imagine this, but after his career was over, he had 24 knee surgeries. Wow. Uh, which is still bothering him today. He has uh, Bengals records with uh, 23 fumbles recovered, uh, 62 and a half sacks, which is second all time for uh, Cincinnati. And he was also the Ivy League heavyweight wrestling champion. He came out of Dartmouth, which usually is not a breeding ground for the NFL. He is a member of the College Football Hall of Fame, and he, uh, he's the guy I mentioned that worked for the Disney company. Uh, he oversaw the creation of Disney's, Disney's wide world of sports complex, so becoming really? the vice president of Disney uh, of their sports attractions. He retired in 2007, and he also has an honorary doctor of law degree from Dartmouth, so... But that's uh, stuff we didn't even talk about his playing career, that he was that mainstay starter and linebacker for many years for the Bengals and um, finally ended up retiring after the 1989 season after playing in pain for 14 years. Wow. I mean, I didn't realize that with the Disney's Wide World of Sports Complex. I don't know if you've ever been down there, but that's quite the complex they have down there. Yeah. It's uh, very it's extensive. Amazing. Yeah, it definitely is. It covers just about any sport, too, you can play down there. So it's pretty fantastic. That's a big responsibility to have. So very interesting. Uh, so what would we like to do with Reggie? Do we want to put him on? Do we want to 
weight on him? I'm almost thinking Reggie with the way he performed for so many years as a starter that I think I'd recommend him to, to be on our list. Okay. I agree. Let's uh, he's our third one to take a spot. All right. What direction do we want to head next here in our football well, we have a, a linebacker from North Dakota state, Steve Nelson, 6'2", 230. He was uh, 14 years with new England and five times an all pro and for all those years, he wore number 57. In fact, for our purposes tonight, the Patriots have retired his number 57. But he led the team in tackles for eight of his 14 seasons. And he has the unofficial team record, I think, of 207 tackles in 1984. And following his career, he was inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame in 1993 and became a computer company executive after his playing days were over and after his coaching days were over at Curry College, where he had a 64-22 and record over seven or eight years. So uh, Steve Nelson, again, one of those guys who I think might be qualified for our top 10 tonight. Yeah, and uh, besides you know, being that run stuffer, you know, 17 picks of uh, quarterback passes. So that's you know, a pretty good number two for a linebacker. So, yeah, I, I think he's uh, definitely a good one to talk about pretty substantial uh what do we want to do with him do we want him on the list right away or do we want to wait on him yeah let's put him on the wait list um i'm waiting towards him i i am too but i think that's a good good call here because we have a lot of great names yet to talk about we have another linebacker who probably may qualify but in one play he literally changed nfl history when I saw this story, I said, I got to tell Darren this one. Oh. But it's Mo Lewis, linebacker, uh, also with the New Jersey, uh, New York Jets. When I said New Jersey, boy, it's been a while since I've been outside. <laughs> <laughs> so he played 13 years with number 57, three times an all-pro, all-rookie team in 1991. And he's still third in Jets history with 200 games. And, and why I mentioned him that he changed – changed pro football history back in 2001 he just smashed the Patriots quarterback Drew Bledsoe so you know where I'm going with this story oh I can so got knocked out of the game they had to put an untested Tom Brady in to take over and you know the history from there but that was because of the hit Mo Lewis laid on Drew Bledsoe back in 2001 Wow. I, I didn't realize he was the one that made that hit. So yeah, that makes him pretty substantial and uh, changed the course of NFL history. Like you said, wow, you're, you're really tie, having these tie-ins tonight with these stories. I love <laughs> it. Okay. So what do we want to do with Mr. Lewis here? I think on the wait list as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah another strong candidate to think about. And who, who do we have coming up next? Well, while we're on linebackers, another good one was uh, Mike Merriweather. He played for Pittsburgh and Minnesota, and then at the end of his career, a cup of coffee with Green Bay and the Jets, 11 years with four teams, um, except for one game when he played with the Jets. He wore number 57, three times in all, made the uh, Pro Bowl. He set out 86 with a contract dispute, which I'm not sure if that hurt him, but he was let go by Pittsburgh and then went over to Minnesota where he was a consistent starter for four straight years. Had some great years in 84. He had 15 sacks uh, in 89. He was the first player ever in the history of the NFL 
to score the winning points in an overtime game with a safety when he blocked a punt out of the end zone. So uh, Mike Merriweather has a little piece of history for himself as well. Again, maybe put him on the wait list, but some nice credentials and a very nice long career. Yeah, that uh, season of what, 1984 with the 15 sacks, that was, that was a big number for, yeah. for him. So, okay, he is on our standby list. And uh, where do we want to go to next? What player on our uh, not yet in the Hall of Famers? Yeah, we have a – let me get to our best nickname of the night. Okay. And this goes to Frank Nunley. His full name is Frank Hembre Nunley, 6'2", 229-pound linebacker. Uh, played his entire career at the 49ers, but his nickname was Fudge Hammer, believe it or not. And how do you get a name as Fudge Hammer? Well, he was uh, supposedly as described by a team late as a pudgy blonde linebacker. Uh, so they called him Fudge, like soft fudge. But the way he hit people was a hammer. So that's how we got Fudge Hammer. I don't think Frank is going to make it on our our top 10, even though he played 10 years with the 49ers at linebacker, but he's the best nickname that I could find tonight. It's definitely an interesting nickname. I don't think I've ever heard those two words put together. No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, So, yeah, he's probably a little bit on the outside looking in, but definitely an interesting story. We love to hear those. Yeah. All right. Uh, God, we have there. I'm looking at this list. There are so many di- different linebackers that are really substantial here to talk about. And uh, which one does Joe Ziembo want to speak about next? Well, we have uh, another gentleman, Tom Jackson, 13 years with Denver. I guess I didn't really realize when I talked at the beginning about a player who maybe don't really realize he was with the team so long, but uh, he wore 57 uh, every year with Denver. Uh, he is now, we know him better as a ESPN analyst, Tom Jackson, went on with Chris Berman for many years. He was four times all pro. Uh, six times he was uh, voted as team's most inspirational uh, uh, player. And in 19- 2015, the Pro Football Hall of Fame awarded him with the Pete Rozelle Radio Television Award. So we have one who Again, might be on the fringe a little bit, but uh, certainly someone everyone knows because of his presence for so many years uh, on ESPN. Yeah, he definitely deserves that uh, that television award. You know, play, playing uh, Berman's uh, straight man for so many years that's uh, that's the team I think about him the most. Is probably that ESPN uh, you know post game show. So. It's- in pregame. So yeah, he definitely, it was a great player though. You almost forget he played because he's been on the, the airwaves for so long. I, yeah. I did. I just never even put the name together till I looked into it a little bit. But he has but we many have talents. Linebacker. <laughs> yeah. I have another linebacker who everyone knows his name and that's Clay Matthews. His dad played in the NFL, his brother's in the hall of fame, two sons, four grandsons in the NFL from that family. Uh, Clay Matthews, who actually is Clay Matthews Jr., 19 years wearing number 57 in the league from his linebacker position. I mean, that's a long time for linebacker. Four times all pro, four times led the NFL in combined tackles. So uh, I think he would be a strong, strong candidate for our top 10 today. Uh, when he finally left the league after the 1996 season, he was 17th in games played with 278. 
and his uh, tackles were third best in NFL history, although I've seen a couple of different numbers from different sources, but it was over 1,500 tackles. And he was the oldest player, uh, I should say the oldest player to record a sack at the age of 40 or beyond when he did so towards the end of his career. So he and his son, Clay Third are the only father and son to have won the Defensive Player of the Week from the National Football League. Wow, that, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, he was. I remember him. He was definitely a force to be reckoned with. Uh, you better get a blocker or two on him and know where he is all the time because <laughs> you know, just like his son, he was uh, quite a prolific uh, pass rusher and always had a nose for the ball. But I totally agree with you. I mean, 19 years wearing that, that jersey, number 57, and with his statistics and uh, what his contributions were, I think uh, he definitely needs to be on that list now. What do you think? I think so. I'd, I'd say let's go straight to the list. Okay, I totally agree. Totally agree. Now, who do we want to talk about next that could be a candidate for this top 10 list? Well, there's a gentleman, again, I wasn't really familiar with him, but now that we've looked into him a little more, that's Jeff Van Note, uh, who played center guard and linebacker entire uh, 18 years, I believe, with Atlanta. Uh, another amazing career, six times all pro. He was an 11th round pick who didn't really make the team at the beginning. The, the Falcons farmed him out to the Huntsville, Alabama Hawks in 1969. He wasn't too happy, but when he came back, he started 226 games uh, over his career, which is still second in Falcons history. And in 1991, the fans voted him as the team's all-time favorite player. He's in the Falcons Ring of Honor, and he still does broadcasting in Atlanta. But we, we're here for the number 57, and in honor of his number 57, when he had his last game and is retiring in 1986, the team gave him a 57 Chevy. So I love that. I like that connection between what we're doing now. That, that's better and than getting he, a bottle of a Heinz 57, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Drink along. Hey, when he retired... He had played more games than any other offensive lineman in NFL history. And as coach Dan Henning said about him, uh, about that retirement day, he said, Jeff Van Note may be one of the most remarkable players of this era. To compete in the trenches and not lose his intensity at this stage of his career is indeed unique. In fact, in this age of high dollar contracts, the NFL may never see another player like Jeff Van Note. And so I think Jeff might have to go right into our top 10. Yeah, boy, that's interesting. I didn't know much about him either until I, I started looking at this list a few days ago. And yeah, he definitely has an interesting story, especially when you're seeing you know, offensive positions and defensive positions uh, for a player that was in the Super Bowl era. You know, you don't see that very often anymore. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I think uh, he should be our fifth on our list. Okay, uh, where do we want to go next? There's still some great names out there. There are some good ones. I have a couple of offensive linemen who may or may not make our, our, our list, but they have unique stories. And starting with a center, Ken Bowman for the Packers. Uh, he wore 57 all 10 years with the Packers. And his story is, again, kind of interesting because uh, while he was playing, he earned his law degree. And during the 1974 players' strike, he was arrested for picketing at the team headquarters, apparently, and then sat out the 74 season. And 
I think he hinted, I don't see where he ever claimed that they deliberately kept him out of the lineup, but he never played for the Packers again. Came back for one more season uh, with the Hawaiians in the World Football League in 1975. But Packer fans will remember Ken Bowman as the center in the infamous Ice Bowl of 1967, who led the way for the winning touchdown by Bart Starr to win the Ice Bowl way back when. So Ken Bowman was our center. I'm not sure if he'll make our top 10, but I love his story. No, but you can uh, still, uh, you know, remember all those old clips, you know, of a star scoring that touchdown. You can remember that block too. So that's uh, Bowman's uh, definitely an important piece in football history. And I'm glad, glad you mentioned him. Okay. Uh, you said you had a couple offensive linemen to talk about. Yeah, we about. have a guard. We don't have too many guards today. Sam Davis, who played his full career of 13 years with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You may know, may have heard of that I, team. I've heard the name. Yes, sir. And war number 57 won four Super Bowls. That's what caught my eye. And if you got a guy like that who's in your lineup and on four great teams, interesting enough, he was undrafted and no starts his first three years. And after that, nine straight years, he was a starting uh, left or right guard, mostly left guard, it looks like, for the Steelers, Sam Davis. Yeah, you uh, got to hand it to him. You know, he those first four years, he really the Steelers really didn't have a defensive line. He had to go up again in practice. But uh, once he was a starter, you know, when you're blocking, you know, Elsie Greenwood and Joe Green and uh, Dwight White, yeah, that's sort of iron sharpens iron there. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, so made him a pretty good player. So yeah, definitely. I'm glad you. I don't know that he'll make it, but that's definitely an interesting uh, player that uh, from long ago that I remember. Okay. Uh, now, do you have any more linemen, or do you want to? Are we back into those defensive? Yeah, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. We have one guard, um, left guard, again for the Packers, Rich Moran, who played from '85 through '93, and wore '57 for nine years, made All Pro one year. Um, but again, I'm not sure because our standards are really lofty. If he'll be up there for the top ten. Yeah, it's it's tough for those uh, those linemen, especially from those bygone eras where there's not a lot of statistics to, to help support them. And then you got you know these uh, these star players that have all kinds of statistics, especially in the linebacking position today, that um, really just jump off the page at you. So that's a, a tough go. I guess okay. I've got to sneak in two Chicago Bears who were offensive linemen. Okay, starting with Olin Krutz, the center. From 98 through 2011, had a great career. His last season was with New Orleans. Started 182 games for the Bears, which is second only to Walter Payton in team history. Wow. All pro six times. Uh, he wore number 57 for those 13 years with the Bears. Changed the number 50 for New Orleans just for four games before he got hurt. So maybe we won't count that. But uh, a solid career, uh, real solid, uh, six times all pros I mentioned, and uh, was able to uh, be a part of the Bears for those many years. And then we have another gentleman who played guard for the Bears, Tom Thayer. And he broke in with the USFL from 83 to 85, then played nine years wearing number 57 uh, for the Bears at right guard and was the uh, starting guard for the Bears during their Super Bowl, when the last Super Bowl win. 
the 85 team when he was a rookie. But he started every game after his rookie season. In fact, 100 of the 120 of the 126 games he played in the NFL, he was a starter. He played three games for Miami in 1993, did not start those. But during his time for the Bears, 120 out of 123 games. And he's still the voice of the Chicago Bears with Jeff Joniak. He's been doing that since 2005. So if you turn on the radio on Sundays in the fall, you'll hear the very, very knowledgeable voice of Tom Thayer. Wow. Very interesting. Bringing some uh, hometown uh, information to us here from the Windy City. (laughs) Great. Very good. Very nicely done. Okay. Uh, Now, are we ready to shift over to that defensive side once again? We could, yeah. Okay. Who do you have? I just have uh, one other linebacker. Oh, boy. It's a Chicago Cardinal. Sorry, Darren. Oh, no. I, Carl I love Schneider, linebacker from 56 to 63 in the league, the first four years with the Chicago Cardinals. But he did wear number 57 for all eight years in the league. Never made an all-pro team, but since he was the only Cardinals I could find, I had to put him on our, my list tonight anyway. <laughs> well, you got to talk about those Redbirds whenever you can when they were yeah, yeah. in Chicago. So great job. Great job. And uh, one more offensive lineman, okay. Ken Mendenhall, known as being a great blocker. He uh, played his entire career from 71 through 80 with the Colts. War number 57, all 10 years. His last eight years in the league, he started every single game, 117 straight starts to end his career before he uh, retired after 1980. So, again, known as a, a great blocker. Didn't see that he made any all-pro teams, but certainly a starter, of just a very reliable starter for the Colts in Baltimore all those years. Yeah, Wow. Yeah, that's. I'm glad you mentioned him too. I, I sort of forgot that name and, uh, until I saw this earlier. So, yeah, another great player to, to bring up, especially those offensive linemen. They don't get enough credit, like we said. Okay, uh, do you have anyone else you'd like to discuss? No, just uh, two more that I, I spotted, and we have so many, and that's why I concentrated on those who had worn the number 57 for a lot of years and made all pro, and I'm Maybe we'll miss one or two around the way, but um, another pro bowler was Bart Scott, uh, linebacker, for, again, for Baltimore for many years, as well as the New York Jets. He played from 2002 to 2012, made one pro bowl, and he was uh, became a CBS NFL analyst, and he's still involved with ESPN Radio in New York City. One interesting thing about Bart is he made one of those uh, celebrity appearances at a pro wrestling function with Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. And someone, of course, we all know that's very real. Someone coaxed uh, (laughs) Bart into getting into the ring with one of the wrestlers and he lost, unfortunately. So uh, after his career, he's still involved in radio. You know, I was kind of surprised uh, seeing his name on there. That only one Pro Bowl. I mean, he seems yeah. like his, his name was all over the place when he was a player, both with the the Ravens and the Jets. And that uh, kind of surprised me a little bit. But that just tells you the quality of linebackers that were playing in the, the AFC at that time. Okay, uh, how, do you have anybody else you'd like to talk about? I'm a defensive end. We should probably look at mainly because it looked like he. Uh... Well, he's a Super Bowl champion. That's Alex Okafor, defensive end. 
played for Arizona, New Orleans, and Kansas City from 2013, still active in 2020, 21, and won that Super Bowl wearing number 57. So uh, he's worn the jersey for six of his years in, in the NFL and looking for more good things from him ahead. But Super Bowl champ again caught my attention for Alex. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> he's, he's a solid player. Okay, uh, there's, there's one that I'd like to bring up. Another sort of contemporary player wore that jersey number for eight seasons, uh, 2014. He's still going in, in a 2021 at least, but C.J. Mosley, uh, you know, another great inside linebacker, uh, came up with the, the Ravens uh, and last year, or I'm sorry, two years ago, played with the Jets. I believe uh, last season he may have opted to, to sit out the season because of the COVID. Oh, uh, yeah. So, but he, I believe he's going to be playing again this year. And he has been in the Pro Bowl four times. Uh, so far, he's got 10 interceptions in his uh, young career. You know, it's 2014 he came into the league. And, uh, you know, just uh, eight and a half sacks, but uh, – very impactful uh, player, very rangy, uh, can cover tight ends. And, uh, you know, it was a big loss when the, the Ravens uh, couldn't sign him and he, he moved on in free agency for them. I just want to make sure we mention him because he's definitely substantial. Yeah, I think it would be a good recommendation to put him in our top 10 because he's still going and uh, looks like he'll be back better than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, why don't we put him on the standby list here with some All of his right. other guys? Because uh, we've got a, quite a collection of them uh, brewing here. So we may have some good discussions here for our last five spots. So uh, is there anybody else we want to bring up before we go into our deliberation? No, I think we're ready to go into that jury room now and see if we can come up with some unanimous decisions. <laughs> okay. Here is who I have on our list uh, in no particular order. Um we said Mo Lewis, Tom Jackson, Steve Nelson, Mike Merriweather, Bart Scott, C.J. Mosley, and uh, Ken Bowman, I think we had on that list also. And we have five spots to fill. And we have seven names. Mm-hmm. Guess it can't be easy. <laughs> Well, I want to go with one of your, your earlier uh, folks, I think has a, a strong contention here. Mo Lewis. Uh, I think he had some pretty decent numbers. He did. Yeah. When you see someone uh, well, three times all pro, as we mentioned, and was around the league for a long time as well. Yeah. 52 and, and a half his, sacks. Yeah. And there's a little piece of history paving the way for Tom Brady. And there's been articles written about that hit. <laughs> on the ESPN or someone's list of the most 100 biggest impact hits in the league history, but the articles are saying, what, what if, what if that didn't happen? Would, would the Patriots have stuck with Brady when Bledsoe had just signed a big contract? Would Brady maybe have finished out his rookie contract or whatever and gone elsewhere, become a free agent? So a lot of ifs there, but Mo Lewis took care of that for, for <laughs> the Patriots. Yeah, I think just uh, just for that, I mean, that's substantial, but his playing uh, numbers and, you know, making the Pro Bowls and an All-Pro, I think that that puts him as our sixth spot, if that's okay with you. I like that. Yeah, let's do okay. that. Okay. All right. So now we have six. Uh, do you want me to go through those names again that's still left, or do you have some in mind? Sure. Uh, no. 
Okay, so Tom Jackson, Steve Nelson, Mike Merriweather, Bart Scott, C.J. Mosley, and Ken Bowman. Man, they're always tough, aren't they? They sure are. They definitely well, are. We have poor Ken, who's maybe one of the first players to suffer for uh, holding out a little bit and protesting, but uh, I'm not sure if he'll make it. Yeah, he's... Uh, He's probably one of the ones under on the bubble here to make mm-hmm. out of uh, these four we need to choose here. I, I do like Merriweather. I do like Jackson. Yeah, I think both of those definitely should be on. So let's go ahead and make them our seventh and our eighth. So two more between Nelson, Scott, Mosley, and Ken Bowman. And we did put Clay Matthews in right away, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Clay Matthews, he was our fourth guy we, we chose. Uh, I Maybe your, your earlier um, thing we just talked about a few minutes ago was C.J. Mosley because he's, he's still trucking strong. He's already got a bunch of Pro Bowls under his belt. Yeah. And I think that sort of gives him some good uh, upper hands on some of the other guys. So we'll put him in as our ninth. All right. And always comes down to this. we got a tough uh, decision for our last <laughs> spot. You know. Steve Nelson, Bart Scott, and our outsider lineman, Ken Bowman. You know what? I'm kind of leaning to Steve Nelson, and mainly his 57 is retired, which means he might be the only one with his 57 retired. I'm not sure, but uh, that's kind of a a nice credential to have. And the fact that he was such a consistent defensive player for so many years coming out of North Dakota State. I forgot about that with that number retired. Gosh, we he, we probably should have been talking him a few minutes ago <laughs> rather than 10th. He probably should have been a little higher on that list. But all right, well, there's our 10. Let me go through them right. one more time. We have Ricky Jackson, Dwight Stevenson, uh, Clay Matthews Jr., Mo Lewis, Jeff Van Note, Tom Jackson, Reggie Williams, Steve Nelson, Mike Merriweather, and C.J. Mosley. Uh, Great-looking list there. That's a That's a good top 10. I think we've done good. Nice I, I, job, Darren. Yep. Yeah. Nice job for you, Joe. That's always those great stories. And, you know, those, uh, that lead in with those uh, three great teases, you know, I, I love that. And there's some interesting <laughs> stories there. So what do you have uh, cooking on our, when football was football podcast, you always have something great to, to listen to. Yeah. There's something I always wondered about, and that was, Back way back when with football players didn't get paid very much. And we know how did they how did they manage? And so decided to donate, donate, uh, <laughs> trying to devote a podcast to off-season jobs or in-season jobs back in the NFL in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. So uh, never knew that Don Hudson, great legendary Hall of Famer for the Packers, dug ditches in the off-season to make money. It just wow. doesn't seem – it's impossible. Someone right. that good, and that's what they had to do to get by. Or you have a guy named Cactus Face Dugan for the Cardinals who became a state trooper and had to get uh, – they liked him so much because he was kind of tough. It was hard to get back to his other job playing football. But that's kind of what we're looking at uh, in our next podcast. Wow, so, that uh, definitely sounds interesting. And then, and then there's a long-range teaser coming up in June – Found out who the fastest player in Major League Baseball history 
And so you might say, I thought you did football podcasts, which we do, but the fastest player in Major League history was a football player from the NFL. So we'll tell his story as well coming up later in June. Wow, very intriguing. You got us on the edge of our seats. I can't <laughs> wait for that episode to come out either. So, wow, you got some good stuff going there. I'm glad you do. Well, uh, you know, we, I know we've got your name down for a few more times, and we're probably going to be taking uh, a break from you for just a little bit uh, between uh, you, you've got some family vacation going on here and visiting with family. I do as well. Uh, so we're probably going to be in the latter part of June. I think we're bringing you on for the number 62s to look forward to. And then shortly after that, number 66, I have you signed up for and uh, number yeah. 70 as well. So we'll, we'll hear a lot more of Josie Emba here in the coming weeks. And uh, we're excited to, to hear that, but you can always listen to him on the, when football was football podcast on the sports or your favorite podcast provider. So make sure you check out those great stories that Joe has there. Uh, Joe, thank any last again, words? Darren? Oh, I'm sorry. Any last words? A, thank you very much. We look forward to, uh, getting in and investigating those future numbers of 62, 66, and 70. So thanks again for having me on. Oh, the appreciation is all mine for you sharing your, that uh, great football knowledge you have uh, stuck between your ears and uh, <laughs> exposing it to the world. And we, we always enjoy that. So thank you very much, Joe. Thank you. That's all the football history we have today, folks. Join us back tomorrow for more of your football history. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football, through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians, you'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.